Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Praise you, Father, it was the power in that blood that has brought us to where we are today. The power of the blood and the power in the love of God that saved us, that has raised us to a new life with Jesus. We are seated in heavenly places. And Father, it's just down here that we need your help. We need your strength. We need your Holy Spirit to take us through situations, to carry us, to comfort us. Lord, thank you for your mercy and your grace that abounds toward your children. We give you all the honor and glory. And everybody said, Amen. Before you sit down, you are surrounded by beautiful people. Pastor Harold didn't make you greet them. Please do so now. You know, I submit to my husband. I'm supposed to get an amen from all the ladies. But the problem is I've been bullied here by my husband and Pastor George and Pastor Jacques. And I'm standing here this morning because they said, I have got to bring this morning's message. So bear with me this morning. And, um, but it's, you know what? It's always a privilege to bring the Word of God. A book that absolutely took my life was this unshakable kingdom and the unchanging person. And you can get it on Amazon. A few years, many years ago, about 20 years ago, Dr. Ralph Neighbor walked, was in our house, and him and his beautiful wife, Ruth, were staying with us, and they were, they were, in, from, they were in from the States, and he, um, he just said, Harold, I brought a book for you, and as he put it on the cupboard, I saw the title, I said, you mean it's for me? I said, Harold can get it when I'm finished with it. Well, when I finally finished with it, it just lay there for a while. And then Harold got hold of it, and he said, oh, my goodness, get for pastors, every one of them, get one uh, book each. So it's been a very, very inspiring book. I always said if I land up on an island and I've got a choice of two books, the Bible and this book. And this book really, really transformed. Well, long before this, actually, I'd been involved with a, 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 a lecturer by the name of Bob Mumford and going through his work on the kingdom. The kingdom of God is the center of everything. You may wonder what is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the rulership of God. It is the leading, the guiding of God. That is where Jesus came and he came to bring the kingdom to earth. Wasn't it there before? It was manifest in man. It was there for all to see. But when Jesus came, it became a visible manifestation of the living God. And this kingdom has touched so many, very many lives. And I'm going to be sharing this morning on it. You know, Jesus told Israel that the kingdom would be taken from them. They had it, they didn't realize what they had. In Matthew 21, 43, he said, this kingdom will be taken from you and it will be given to a nation producing fruit. Now, that's a very important aspect of what he was saying here. He's speaking about an action. 
And I'm going to be getting into this action because as we start with building a kingdom foundation, and Elise did a lovely, uh, you know, they always ask, what is our message going to be? And we give it, and she built me a beautiful frame here. And we're going to be building a foundation, a kingdom foundation, and I'm going to end with a family. You know, you see, the emphasis on the word foundation is very important because a building is only as important as its foundation. And I don't know if Melchior, there he sits over there, he's here, yeah, he'll know what a foundation is because when this church was being built, he was one of the men on the committee, the building committee, and uh, we would get together, but he dug this, helped dig this foundation. He brought his machinery in, and he layered the stones, and all he charged us was, was the diesel for the machinery. But I watched the foundation. I love building. One of the things I so desire to do is to drive one of those big machines. I just love them when I see them working, and I get so excited about them. But I want to tell you, this foundation has stood the test of time. There's not been a crack in our walls because this foundation was solid. Which brings me to another story, and I'm going to be dealing with this. Jesus said something in Matthew and Luke chapter 6, verse 46, and I'm wanting, I'm playing with words right now, and I'm going to play with the word Lord. Let me maybe explain something to you. When we got born again, we made Jesus our Savior. That means we've been saved. We've been saved. But what have we been saved to do? And that's where the aspect of lordship is coming in. And I always use this analogy because it's one of the best pictures that never leaves my mind. Is this man in a very beautiful house and he receives Jesus into his heart. And in the process, he says, Lord Jesus, I want to show you where I want you to live. And he had this guest room upstairs. Oh, it was the most beautiful guest room you've ever seen. And he said, Lord Jesus, this is specially for you. And the next morning, there was a knock at the door. And when he opened the door, the devil was there, and he bombarded his way in, and he tore apart everything in the bottom floor in the uh, section of the house upstairs, but he didn't touch the guest room. And he went, he said, Jesus, how can you do this to me? And he said to him, but you've given me the guest room. There's nothing wrong with it. He said, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Take the whole upper level. Well, you know the story. When the knock came at the door, the devil barged in. The whole ground floor was messed up, but the top floor was left. And he said, Jesus, I'm sorry. Please take this house. Protect this house. Next morning, there was a knock at the door. Jesus opened and no one was there. Now, why do I tell you the story? You see, he'd made Jesus his savior, and he was the savior, and he was living somewhere in his heart. But when he made him Lord, Jesus took over his life. Now you're going to understand the scripture that I'm talking about. It says in Luke chapter 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord? Jesus must be Lord, not Savior. And do, do not do the things that I say. The word and emphasis is on do. Whoever comes to me and hears my word and sayings and does them, I will show you 
whom this man is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on the rock. And when the floods rose, the stream beat vehemently against the house. It could not be shaken, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, in other words, Jesus was only his savior, he is like the man who built his house on the earth without a foundation against which the streams beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You know, many times Christians say, I don't understand. Why isn't the Lord protecting me? Why can't I get my breakthrough? Go and look at your house. How much of your house belongs to the Lord? If it all belongs to the Lord, you know that prayer, the Our Father is so, uh, is so powerful. You know, in it it says, forgive. In it it says, it says, give me. So there's all our requirements. Forgive me. We have to walk in forgiveness. Then he says, lead me. God leads us. And then he says, it says, protect me. God will protect us. He will keep Satan. It's an all-encompassing prayer. And that leads me to another little story, which I also love. This man, the, the whole life, his whole life, he had, he had saved up for a, a, a boat cruise, a ship cruise. Now, those are incredible, the ship cruises. And on this cruise, he, he knew he had to get ready, and he needed food, and he gathered his food. And I said he, he must have been a South African. He must have taken some biltong with him, and he took some cheeses and some dried fruit and some rusks, and, and uh, that also must have been South African, and he took some, some dried biscuits and stuff. And that, the last day, the captain saw him peering through the window, looking at the people in the eating hall because he didn't have enough food, enough money for the food. And the captain said to him, sir, what are you doing out here? He said, no, I'm just enjoying it. I've got, don't worry about me. I brought my food with. He said, sir, did you not read the manual? He said, because in the manual, all your needs are met on this ship. All the food you need, all the drinks you need are on the ship. He didn't know it was the all-encompassing scenario. And we must never forget that. You see, Jesus is only Lord when we do. Matthew 6, 18, he says, yeah, and this is an important thing I'm going to say now because it bears on the, on the rock. It says, I also say to you, for you are Peter, and on this rock, now, I want to... I'm going to be tramping on a few religious toes here, but I come out of a, a, a I was in a Methodist church, but I went to a school of another denomination. And um, I know that I was taught that uh, the rock is Peter. And uh, Peter had, I don't have to go into detail, I don't want to say too much. And uh, so this scripture can really be taken out of context, but listen to the context. It says here, yeah, I say to you that you are Peter. On this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Now, this rock refers to Christ. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. And the speaker, as in John, it says, this is what it was Pietros. In other words, the Pietros is the name of Peter, 
But the rock that Jesus here talks about is Petra, which refers to the immovable stone. I got this out of the Dakes as well. You can get it in the Bible commentaries. It is Petra, which is Jesus Christ himself. He is the only foundation of the church. Peter was only the builder, one of the builders of the kingdom, and his name is Petros. So we need to just take that rock story out there because when this man, when this wise man built his house upon the rock, that is us that have to build our house upon the rock of Jesus Christ. Now, obedience, of course, is the key to everything. Obeying the word of God. It is, obedience is the firm foundation on which we build. Success only comes through obedience. We've all been children, and I can guarantee you, when you were obedient, as I, disobedient, as I was disobedient, we didn't get what we asked for. It wasn't easy when we walked in disobedience, but when we walked in obedience, our parents were merciful and graceful. They weren't so merciful and graceful when we were disobedient. Can I get an amen there? I know today we don't have the same, the same scenario and uh, children can get away with murder on occasions, but I promise you, not Harold or myself ever got away with murder. Hallelujah. Now, adjusting our homes. That's both our spiritual and our physical homes. Physical as in the sense of the family to living a kingdom lifestyle. You know, they always say, the, the old folk used to say, you can bend a tree when it's young, but you break the tree. And God has to break many people when they are older because you can't bend that tree anymore. And I pray to God that everybody here is a young, fresh tree, that we are bendable, we are pliable, we are supple, and we can yield to the word, the word of God and walk in obedience. Too many Christian households are not founded on a good word foundation. What is the result? The world dictates to our children and teaches our children ungodly cultures and lifestyles. And this results in drama, both in our home, in our world, personally, and it's devastating for children. And I said this earlier on, that we're living in a world where we as parents, and we got a lot of parents here, our youth, we, we wake them up here at about 12 o'clock in the morning and they come tonight. But uh, we, mostly it is a mature audience. But we sit around in our tables watching television news and what kind of conversation are our children listening, is our children listening to? Are they listening to encouraging, hopeful, word-based, Conversations, or is it darkness, doom, gloom, the lights are out, this is going out, that's happening, too much, too much month, too little money. We need to be careful that we impart hope for tomorrow into our children. I heard something very interesting yesterday. They were having a gathering of youth. One-fifth of the youth said, 
that, in fact, I think it was here, they were had, it was our youth. One fifth of our young people said they are scared, they are fearful for tomorrow. Folk, we need to breed life into our children. I said, yeah, the church, in generally speaking, is a very sad, the church by and large, not just, uh, not just talking about this church, is a very, very sad representation of the kingdom. Why? Because churches are tolerating moral degradation, which is not part of the church of Jesus Christ. This church, we cannot afford to compromise. We love all people. We work with all people. But we love the people, but we do not love the sin. God hates the sin, therefore we have to hate sin. We don't hate people. Never get that wrong. For many years, I worked for, in the gay community it wasn't part of my lifestyle, but I met somebody, walked a long road with her, and I, I brought her out of that. And many people I was able to bring out through the love of Christ, through much counseling. Some of them went on to be in churches, to be church leaders, to have children. But we can teach people the godly, biblical, scriptural way of living. Can I get an amen? Now, I know not too many people are going to like that one. I want to read one of my favorite scriptures, Romans 12, chapter 1, out of the Message Bible. And I want you to listen to this carefully. This is the Word of God. Peterson wrote the Message Bible, and he made it easy. He paraphrased it for his daughter. So here's what I want you to do, it says. God helping you. Take your everyday, your ordinary life. Your sleeping, going to work, your eating life. You're walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for us is the best thing that you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. He wants from you and quickly respond. Sorry, sorry, I, I missed out. I said, yeah, you'll be changed. Quickly fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That's very important. Change doesn't come from the outside. If the inside changes, the outside changes. And it says, yeah, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it Unlike the cultures around us, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. We have to understand something. We, we think we're in the church. We're in the kingdom. No, folk. The kingdom is within us. The church is part of. Uh, Harold used an analogy today um, in the context of what he was talking about, but in this context, the kingdom is the whole backbone of the body. And you know that if the skeleton, the back section of the body, right down, if that section is broken or breaks, you can't walk, you are crippled. Well, the church, in many, many ways, has been crippled 
We need to strengthen the church through the kingdom of God. We cannot reduce the kingdom to what the church is. The kingdom is everything the church is part of. The kingdom is the hub of a bicycle wheel. The church is one of the spikes. Healing, salvation, all the subjects you can add on. Many people, they major on deliverance. No, it's one of the spikes. We major on the kingdom and everything else will fill in. And I just want to continue. You know, many years ago, we were in... We were in um, Chicago, and I'll never forget this. Uh, we had a very good speaker. His name is Jim Collins. You can get some of his books. He's a businessman, and he was talking about, um, he goes into companies, and he assesses the companies. He, he assesses the health or the sickness of a company, and that's what he does, and he works with com 500 com uh, company 500s and um, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and he was busy telling us a very interesting story. He's a very fit man, and his wife is very fit, and they were busy jogging, and they went up this little snake path up to the top of this hill, and he just didn't have the energy. He wasn't keeping up with her very well. He said, go on ahead of me, and I'll get there, and he saw her in her bright red outfit, and she was going for it, and she was the symbol of health, and two weeks later, she was diagnosed with cancer. And he said that thing hit him so hard. Folk, we have to look where there is cancer in our church, in our homes, in our businesses, in our own lives. It doesn't have to be the physical sickness of cancer, but those sins, those things that are keeping us away from God, those things are not only destroying our lives, but the lives of everybody else around us. That was such a powerful analogy. I said, yeah, the cancer I'm talking about is the failure to apply God's principles based on directives that we find in his word. Mainly, why do we fall the way we do? Because we have either lack of knowledge or we don't apply the knowledge. Now I get to the children and I'm coming to the end of my message. You know, Jesus, throughout the Bible, 1,358 times, the word children comes in the Bible. And I said that this this morning. You know, if you can imagine a beautiful palace and we look at the palaces, Buckingham and all the palaces in England and uh, in, in France and Russia and everywhere, our Father lives in the most beautiful palace in the whole world. We are his children. And if Prince Charles thinks he's got something, he ain't met my father yet because he's got everything. And we need that revelation, folk. We are children of the kingdom. And I said, yeah, God had a plan. He wanted to give his children light in this dark world. Now, if all of you, together with me, are into your Bible readings, you would have read about the ninth plague in Egypt, which was the plague of darkness. That darkness was so bad that even if you lit a candle, you couldn't see. That candle did not give light. So for three days, it says in Exodus chapter 10, 23, the Egyptians did not see one another, nor did anyone arise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Folk, it doesn't matter what ESCOM does, you 
are the light of the world because Jesus made you that. We need to be the light. I, you can give the Lord a praise offering. He is our light. And I, I have a, a friend saying behind us, and I just phoned her for something. And I, I just said, she just said to me, oh, they're busy with this new building. They've got their companies in there, and they're busy. And she says, oh, she says, Pastor Maud, it's, it's so difficult. She says, but you know what? With Jesus, there's just, there's just joy. We know that everything is possible. We're getting through all the situations. She says, I don't know what I would do without him. That must be our attitude in the world. That's how we draw people. I don't know if you heard Harold's vision. He says, let's get a 1,000 more people into this church by the end of this year. I agree with him. We've got stacks of chairs there. We've got place in the side. We can, we can even have a setup at the LARPA, and you can go and do, what did he say? You can go and do some brying there while you're listening to him on the screens. But I want to tell you, folk, the doing part is what we have to do. And I want to challenge you. Not a week goes by that I can't look back, that I haven't touched several lives, that I haven't given into several lives. I do that because that's what I've been called to do, and so have every one of you. Unfortunately, Jesus didn't just say a few of you. He said, Go into the world and make everyone my disciples. And that includes every one of you. Well, I'm just going to finish off. Praise God. I've just I've got a little bit here still. I said here, um, uh, I'm not even going to go into Deuteronomy. Well, I'm going to Deuteronomy 4.19. And this is where obedience comes in because I'm bringing the children in. It says in Deuteronomy 4.9, Take heed to yourselves. Diligently keep yourselves lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen. They saw it. We are hearing it. And lest they depart from your heart all your days of your life and teach them to your children and your grandchildren. You see, Jesus loved the little children. There was a reason for that. And he said, and it was, I just love the scripture. The disciples were arguing amongst one another. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? They didn't know Jesus. It was either he had been listening to them or it was a word of knowledge. And he said to them, you want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? You want to be the greatest? Well, you learn to serve. You start off by serving. And then he said, then the little children, they were brought to him and they were, that he might put his hands on them and pray for them. Isn't that beautiful? That's how we dedicate our babies. It's very important we bring our children for dedication. But the disciples rebuked them. And Jesus said, let these little children come to me. Do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of heaven. You see, their little minds were not polluted yet. Mark in 9.37 says, whoever receives these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me, they don't receive me, but they receive him who sent me. The apostles, they, they were debating about the greatness, and suddenly they had this revelation. We, as parents, what is our revelation? We have a tremendous responsibility to raise our children in the ways of the word and not in the ways of the world. Now, I want to say something. There are cultures all around us. 
We are sitting in a room, we are filled with cultures, races from every background. And we are in our homes, we have different cultures. And I'll never forget Pastor Tabu and Gidi. Him and I used to talk a lot. And we used to have a lot of fun together. And he just says, Maud, I got a problem. He says, these people come, they want to live together. They've got to get La Bola. But those men, they can't get La Bola. It's too much money. He says, one cow is over 20,000 rand. They want that. Where do they get that money? He says, no, man. This culture's rubbish. He says, kingdom of God, that's the culture. So I tell them, come, you get married, and you can pay La Bola when you're 50, 60 years old. Don't worry about it. I thought that was a good, wise decision. Amen. And that was a reality. That is a reality that we're looking with. Parents, we've touched, we are influenced, and our children, they do not have the wisdom to know what is right and wrong, and they get that from our children. And I made a joke in the first service with Frank, his little girl. She's a real little princess, and so every day she wants her little skirt on with her little pleats and or, or her little um, uh, uh, veils and stuff, and she's got her little uh, ballet shoes on and her stockings, and or she wants to go to school like that, and it's freezing outside. I said, Frank, she can't go to school like this. Oh, no, she wants to. I said, no, no, no. She's got no wisdom to know better, and if you allow it, then you've got no wisdom either, so I'm praying for you. <laughs> Don't tell him, okay. We as parents have an awesome responsibility to show the right way what children must do, but once they are grown up, this is where our problem comes in. You see, Harold always said, as long as you can cover them under one blanket, praise the Lord, you know where they are. But when they crawl out of those blankets, your prayer life actually starts at that point. And as they grow older, they've got their own minds, they've been exposed to things, and we find situations. The responsibility of raising and imparting kingdom values into the lives of our children should not be allowed to lay in the hands of schools and school teachers. Did you catch that? The moral values of society have become crooked and corrupt. And we allow our children into those situations and parents, it's time you voice your opinion. You know, the sexual dimension and what is happening in schools, I was horrified to hear what standard twos, grade, grade uh, fives, fours and fives, even from grade three, what they are learning. They are opening those little minds that are not ready to receive it. And we as moms and dads allow it. Now, moms, we are the moral voice in society, not the fathers. The fathers know what's right and wrong. They're the leaders. God's made them to lead, to guide, to guard, to protect. They made us to nurture, but God did give us leeway. In the book of Proverbs, he says, moms, ladies, women, you are the it says there, you are the law in the house. Now it's very quiet. <laughs> Ladies, you are the law in the house. And you know what all your gentlemen are looking like? They had a row of ladies, and they said, okay, all the men that are not henpecked, please stand in this row. One man got into this row. 
And they said, oh, you're a brave man. He says, no, I'm not brave. My wife told me to stand here. <laughs> anyway, we have a moral voice and we cannot accept what is being taught to our children. God made men, he made women, and he didn't make a mistake. And our children need to know that. And there is no confusion. I can't decide to be a camel, a horse, a donkey, or a boy. I'm not any one of those things. And we need to tell our children, impart the truth to our children. And this is something that we as a nation are gonna have to rise up. Canada is seeing the results of what they've done and what they're doing. America's starting to see the results. There's one great guy, his name is DeSantos in Texas, governor. I hope he becomes the next president there because he's as straight as die. And he's causing a lot of trouble because a lot of these things are impacting children in a direction that is gonna take the nation down. You know, it was Miles Monroe and he made the statement. He said, Rome fell by the sin of the crotch. And if you go and study, 12, uh, 12 of the 17 or 13 of the 18 um, Caesars were homosexuals, bisexuals. And if, if I, I did history, I did history of that time as well. And if you see what happened in those days, they fell because of sexual immorality. Every nation that's fallen, go and study what brought on the fall. So I want to encourage you, moms, rise up and fight for your children. And in Mark chapter 9, verse 42, I didn't read this in the first service. Whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, to, who believe and who trust in me, that the sin, that they lose their sin, uh, that they, uh, sorry, let me start again. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe and trust in me to stumble, that is sin or loss of faith. It would be better for that person if a heavy millstone, one requiring a donkey's strength to, stress, uh, strength to turn it, were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. There's a lot of men and women who have got spiritual millstones tied around their neck and they need to repent because the judgment of God is at the door. Parents, we have responsibility. I finish off with something that the Lord gave me for children. And write down these scriptures because you, are, I've written them out, I've written this whole thing out. If you've got a spirit-filled Bible uh, or you haven't asked somebody that has, there's a little section in the spirit-filled Bible and I want to read this of Isaiah, oh, sorry, Jeremiah 31, verse 16. It's God's promise I wrote here to me and my children. God's promise to you and to your children and receive these promises today. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for your work, moms and dads, shall be rewarded says the Lord, and they shall come back to the land of the, from the land of their enemy. Your children shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is a hope for your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. And then in the kingdom dynamics, it says here, when children stray 
from the Lord. Pastor Harold can come up. One of the greatest heartaches of any believing parent or grandparent occurs when one of their children has rebelled against the ways of the Lord. God's word, however, offers comfort and hope in this situation because he understands. Much of the Old Testament is the story of God's children straying. Israel, they went into captivity eventually. And then he goes on here in this book, he says, he will promise to bring back our children. He promises ultimately that they will come back to the ways that they were taught. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Then he says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And then he says, the peace will be their portion as they encounter the Lord. And that is in Isaiah 54, verse 13. All the children, all your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. And the last one is powerful. And he shall fight to see salvation come to your children. God's going to fight for them. And that's in Isaiah 49, verse 25b. For I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save your children. Are you in agreement with this? Let's give the Lord a praise offering. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.